0: Propitiation, Propitiation. the word propitiation means an atonement and uh, an atoning sacrifice. And Jesus is our propitiation. He died in our place. He paid the price. And so that's what it's talking about. And then the word perf- perfected there in verse number five, the word perfected means to be made complete, to be made complete because there's no one perfect. There was only one indivisible, that was perfect, and they crucified him. And uh, then the word in verse number nine, hate. The word hate means to love less, or to esteem less. All right. And when Jesus was talking about being his disciples, he said, "Except you hate your mother and your father and your sisters and your brothers and even your own life, you're not uh, you're not fit to be my disciples." So that word hate that means to Love less. And when Jesus was saying that, you're to love everything and everyone else less. And he's to be number one. And then verse number six is called to walk. To walk means the conduct of my life. It doesn't mean taking steps. It means to walk. It means how my conduct of my life would be. Verse number ten, talk about stumbling in him. To stumble. It means to sometimes cause someone else to stumble by lifestyle. And then we notice in verse number 18 the word Antichrist. The word anti, just like anti freeze, means against freezing. Antichrist means against Christ. And so we're going to read the whole chapter, and, uh, and then we're going to get into. The meanings and what I want to share with you this morning. All right. And chapter number one, if you if your Bible's laid out like mine, it's chapter number one is right across the page from you. And if you look at and what John is talking about there in chapter number one, verse number four, he said, "And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full." Now, the things that John is writing in chapter number one is talking about the fellowship that we can have with the Lord. He talks about if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And so he talks about that we're to walk in the light, the light of His Word, and I've mentioned this before. God sometimes will illuminate a certain passage, and then He will illuminate a certain verse, and that's when He's speaking to us. And when God tells us to do something and we don't do that, the Bible said we walk in darkness. And the book of Psalms it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so when God illuminates a word or a verse in the scripture, God's trying to show us something. So he says here in chapter number 1 and verse number 4, that your joy may be full. And he tells us how we can have the joy if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, when you get into chapter number two, it's a little different. Notice what chapter two says. My little children, now he's talking to the people that are saved. He said, Now my little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not." He's saying now, I want you to understand that just because you're saved, it does not get, and you have eternal life, that does not give you a license to sin. That you know, and, and the Bible t- tells us that we don't sin, that grace may more abound. And so, we have to understand here, John's now writing to the little ones or little born again ones, and he begins to, uh, to uh, lay out some things here uh, that, will, uh, that will hinder our work, walk with God. And uh, he says, My little children, these things are right to you, you sin not. And if now, and if any man sin, now he's saying that, listen. There will be times in our lives that we will sin. And uh, when we're saved, that doesn't mean that the old nature goes away. We have two natures living inside of us that are born again. We have that old nature and we have the new nature. And the one that we we feed is going to be the one that's going to be predominant in our lives. And so he said, now, if any man sin, we have an advocate. Now, the word advocate means a go-between. Or Like a lawyer, when you go into a court and you take your lawyer with you, he's your advocate or you go-between between you and the judge. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, he's an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if, now that's a, that's a two-letter word, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Notice if you would, But whosoever keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him himself also to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which you had from the beginning, that old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing, the thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith, he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even to now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is no non-occasion of stumbling in him." But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walk in darkness, and know not whether he goeth, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I write unto you. He's writing again. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Now he said, now I don't want you to sin, verse number one. But now he's saying here, he said, I'm writing to you because your sins are forgiven. Understand when a person gets saved, they're saved from from the past, present, and future sin because all sin was uh, was future uh, from Calvary. And so he says here, My, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Uh, and uh, you may think to yourself sometimes, like I have, I don't know why God saved me. Well, the Bible said he did it for Jesus' sake. And I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. Now he gives three different individuals here. The father uh, is is an individual that has been saved for a while. In other words, he knows. And then the young man is one that's been saved not quite as long as the father, but then he's been saved longer than the babies. And uh, we're going to get into what uh, a baby needs in just a little while. Notice if you would here in and, and verse number 14, I have written to you, fathers, because you've known him that is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because ye are strong. And the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, how do we overcome the wicked one? Well, look if you would, verse 15. He said, Now love not the world, neither things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written to you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus Christ is he is antichrist and denieth the father and the son whosoever denieth the son the same hath not the father but he that uh, he that acknowledges the son hath the father also uh, let there let let excuse me let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning if that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you ye also shall continue in the son and in the father and this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. These things have I written to you, that concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, and ye, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as 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 the same anointing teaches you all things, and is the truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. Okay. Now, if you have your pen, as I read the next verse, I want you to underline. Some words, all right? And now, little children, abide. Okay, underline that word. Now, little children abide in him, then when he shall underline the word appear. You may have confidence and not be ashamed, underline the word ashamed. Before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Now, the way that we do righteousness is abiding in Him. And the reward for that is that, that when He will appear, we won't be ashamed. 2 John tells us that there will be some that will be ashamed at His appearing. And so we have to understand that uh, the Bible makes it very plain why John is writing 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And uh, well, let's get into that even more so now. You see, John is dealing with some things here that, that, that we are to exclude from our lives. We are to exclude some things from our lives. And notice, if you, if you would here, the, the love of the world. The love of the world, it talks about loving Demas. But, uh, Paul said this, Demas has forsaken me loving this present world. Demas was a uh, was one of the ones that Paul took with him on some of his missionary journeys But somewhere along the line uh, Demas fell by the wayside that doesn't mean he was lost what it meant is that he quit serving God And there's a lot of people that that start out right they start out right and uh, Sometimes they start out like a rocket. I mean boy They in the church and they want to do and they want to go and so forth and so on (laughs) But somewhere along the way, something comes in the way. Now let me say this. The devil will get you busy doing nothing to keep you from serving God. He'll give you all kinds of toys, all of these little things to entertain uh, so, your, so your weekend will be tied up or uh, maybe a Wednesday night will be tied up because, you see, the devil wants you to, be, to, to remain ignorant. He doesn't want you to know the word of God. And the only way that we, and the Bible says in the book of John, how can we overcome the world? This is, this is what that overcomes the world, even your faith. In Romans chapter number 10, verse 17, it said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the way, that we, uh, the way that we grow in the Lord in faith is hearing the word of God. And so he talks about here uh, the love of the world. And then the spirit of Antichrist. In other words, we, a person sometimes, uh, they don't say that uh, I'm against Christ, but their lifestyle and the way they walk is, is quite evident that they are against the things of Christ. And so we, in John chapter number one and, and uh, John one and chapter number two, we see the dangers facing the believers. Dangers facing the believers. It's an ever-present danger. Here's what I want you to know. The devil wants your your worship. Uh, I heard a preacher preaching this week, and uh, he said this. He said, when the devil was kicked out of heaven, it was because he wanted worship. And then when, if you remember at the the temptation of Christ, what did he tell Jesus? He said, listen, if you bow down and serve me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. You see, he wanted worship, and Jesus told him he, about the Word. He said, listen, he said, the Word says that you have no other gods before him. And, and we're not to worship anything, because who we worship is, is really our God. And there's a lot of people that worship people, they worship things, and, and it takes their place that Jesus is to have in their lives. And so there's an ever-present danger. Now John here is, is to place a safety net around the believer. It's things that we to avoid here in chapter number two. Here's a safeguard in times of crisis. If you look with me, there in verse number 24, in our text verse. Verse number 24. If you look at verse number 23, uh, there are some words in the italics. Now, the italics means it was added to the original to make the meaning, make it more meaningful. But let's read it in the original, verse number 23. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hate not the Father. Then he says in verse 24, let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning, If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. So what has abided in you? You'll see that word abide six times in this chapter. And uh, we see here, uh, he says, in you. It means to settle down in you. When a person abides in Christ, they settle down in him. It's called resting in Christ. I don't have to worry about my salvation because that's ever settled, because He's promised to give us everlasting life and we'll never perish. So, but now instead of me fighting and trying to live this life that God has given me, uh, fighting all the time and trying to do the best I can and hanging on and all these sort of things, I'm the rest in the fact that I am in Christ and He is in me. And because He is in me, We have to understand something Uh, to settle down in you is actually the index finger that's pointing us to salvation because in salvation we can rest. There is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ and so we have to realize that has been taken care of our salvation has been taken care of we have everlasting life however the Christian walk is different. It costs you nothing to get saved because the Bible said by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. But here's what we have to understand. It costs you everything to live for Christ because there's so many things out there that, that's trying to pull us away from him all the time. And we have to understand some things here. We must know the nature of salvation before you can live a victorious Christian life, there's one thing you're going to have to settle in your life. You're either saved or you're not. Now, you say, well, preacher, I have doubts. Well, join the crowd. Because there's been times in my life that I had doubts. Because of my upbringing, I went to church with my mother when I was a young man, and uh, I wasn't saved. But I heard that, you know, you could get saved, and, and if you did, you could lose your salvation. And, and then if you, you know, get right again, then you, you could get salvation again. Then you could, they call it backsliding, and you could be lost again. Listen, number one, backsliding is not a New Testament terminology. You will not find that in the New Testament. The word, the, what we have today is grieving the Holy Spirit and quenching the Holy Spirit. The the word backsliding in the Old Testament means to slide back. In other words, a person that is, is saved, that they can slide back. They're not making progress. I, I, I remember years ago, I used to work my father law, and, and he cut logs. And he had this little thing he made up, and it was a, a shortened uh, a truck. It was two, two, and they put a winch on, it and they called it a tater bug. And uh, I used to pull logs with that thing. And I, you know, I'd have a, a load of, uh, drag of logs behind me, and I'd start up this hill, and it'd be wet, and, and of course the logs would outweigh the 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 thing, so I started sliding back. That's what he's talking about. It's it's not meeting that goal in your life that you've set. And maybe the, 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 the victory that you want to have in your life. And so after a while, people begin to, listen, most of the time you put more uh, strength, uh, strength, things on, on your life that God does not expect you to do. Well, preacher, I, you know, I had a big fight with the devil. And boy, I want, no, you didn't. You, you, there's, you, don't, you don't have any strength. And, and that's what the Bible teaches us. He says, listen, Jesus said, without me, you could do nothing. And, and and the battles that we fight is really not our battles. The the battle is the Lord's. We are already victorious. We are. But we just won't claim that. And so what happens here? We, we get to, and, and uh, we get to a point in our lives where uh, these folks that they were of us, they weren't of us, because if they'd have been with us, they would continue with us, but because they were not of us, they went out from among us. What happens a, t- a lot of times to people that they truly do get saved? but they think that, well, now, now that I'm saved, I, I won't do anything wrong from now on. Boy, are they in for a surprise. So what happens? Uh, you know, uh, the, the, they get they do something that, that the Bible says is not right, and so they say, well, I must not be saved. And the Bible calls them babes in Christ, babies in Christ. And I've said this before as an illustration. Uh, a baby, you have to watch a baby at all times because the things that they should not get into, it just seemingly, it's a magnet that draws them to them. I was watching a commercial in these little tablets now that you wash clothes with, and this little baby went and reached one of those tablets. Well, that, from what I understand, it must be poisoning. Uh, but everything on top of that wash machine, they had to grab one of those tablets. And and, and here's what happens to a baby in Christ: that they, they they seemingly the devil will use will use things to draw them away from Christ, and if they are not grounded in the Word. If they're not grounded in the word, they will fall by the wayside. Does that mean they're not saved? That doesn't mean that. It means they have never grown in the Lord. And the reason they have not grown in the Lord is because they have not, according to what Romans chapter uh, 10 verse 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They, they, you know, you try to encourage folks to be in church for where they can hear the Word of God being preached. Most of the time, if a person is not in church, they're not in the Bible. They're not praying like they should. They're not in the Word of God like they should. Because if that would be the case, they would be in the house of God. And so we see some things here. It, it, it talks about the abiding of the same, to rest in him, to realize the victory is already won, To realize that, listen, I just need to rest in what the Word of God has to say for my life. Don't always be in a battle with yourself. And here's what the devil will do. He'll bring up your past. He will. Well, you must not be saved because if you were saved, you wouldn't have said that word. I remember, and I don't know if I've said this before, but if I had, repetition is good for learning. I got saved on a Sunday, and I was working at National Airport that particular time, and I was off on Sunday and Monday, and I went to church, and I got saved on, um, on Sunday. But after that, we went up to my father-in-law's house, and, uh, and, uh, and when we were there, I used the word hell wrong. And just as soon as I said that word, I mean, buddy, it just like a knife went into my heart. Because of my background, I said, well, now I'm lost again. And honestly, I went out in my car, lay down across the seat, and I bawled like a baby. Because the, the joy that I had just for a few hours far surpassed anything I'd ever experienced in my life. And of course, my wife, she had been saved for about eight hours longer than I was, and she had more uh, going for her. And she said, well, you know, the preacher said that, you know, you're going you're to mess up a time. And he said, if you confess your sins, that God will forgive you. Well, I, I battled that for a long time, for about a year. In this time, I was teaching young people. I was a youth director. And, and I was having that struggle within myself. And, and here's what we have to understand. That sin should not have dominion over you to whom you yield your bodies as instruments. He said, instruments of righteousness, not to unrighteousness. And here's what we need to do. There's many uh, schemes that Christians will will do uh, that's contrary to the nature of the Christian life. There'll be some folks, they will come to church, and and, and, and I'm all for shouting, I'm all for saying amen, and those sort of things. But there are some folks that will do that, but really, down on the inside, it's just an outward show. That's all that it is. And let me say this: salvation is an inward experience. Understand that. When God saved you, He did not save, He did not save that old nature. And what we have to understand, and I've said this many times, and if we could ever get this in our hearts settled, you have a saved soul. Living inside of an unsaved body. That's why at the rapture of the church, you're going to get a new body, because this 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 body that we have now, is not, is a carnal body. It's not subject to the things of God. But salvation is an inward experience. It's a man's life that 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 what's on the inside of him will rule his lifestyle. And here's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus said, "What comes." out of a man that defiles him. In other words, it's not the outside, it's what comes from the inside. Comes from the inside. I've heard somebody say something like this. This man one time uh, beat his wife. And, um, and uh, they said to him, well, why did you do that? He said, well, I got drunk and, and I didn't realize what I was doing. Well, let me say this, he may not have realized what he was doing. After she called 911, but, uh, he, but what was inside of his heart, that's what came out. Well, I, w- I said something one time that I, that I shouldn't have said. I said something that hurt someone's feeling. It was always, already down in there. It's just at that moment, maybe of anger, that it slipped out. You know, maybe like a wife to the husband. I wish you were dead. Well, that may not be what she meant. It may have been what she meant, but I'm just saying it's what's down on the inside that matters. That's what's going to come out, and so it's a, we see that salvation is an inward experience. It's also a permanent experience. He talks about continually abide. That means come. That comes to stay. It's a vital part of you. When you get saved, salvation you can't turn it on and off. You're either in or you're out. There's no gray area in salvation. You're either lost or saved. I've heard somebody one time say, that person is almost saved. No, you're either almost saved. No, no. You're either saved or you're lost. And, and, because if you're almost saved, that means you believe in purgatory. And you're going to have to go there and stay until somebody prays you out and lights enough candles. But, it, but there's no such place as that either. And so we see here, it's a permanent experience here. It remains the essential thing of your life. My salvation, it cannot be bought. If a person could buy salvation, every multimillionaire would have it. So God made it where it was free. Now if I try to buy it, I can't have it because it's a free gift of God. But it remain, my salvation, it's an essential part of my life. It's not an afterthought. It's not something that, that I think about at times. Your salvation ought to be on your mind all the time. Why do we des- desire to live right and do right? It's because we have salvation. And the Bible said, let those lights shine it, that you may uh, glorify your Father which is in heaven. What's my job as a Christian? Is to be glorifying God. It's to glorify God and the things of God. That's when I'm working around people. I have to be careful because I have an an anger problem. I've had it ever since I was a kid. But I'm I'm doing better. I'm not saying I'm I'm there yet, but I'm doing a little bit better. But let me say this. i got to be watch that thing. Why? Because people are watching me. And what's on the inside of me is what's going to come out. So I have to be careful. Well, people, preacher, you just don't know who I work with. You don't know what I have to put up with. No, I, I don't. But let me say this. God knows. You turn it over to God. Used to be with somebody would uh, wave at me, not using all five fingers. I would get upset. I would. I, I, there's been times that and I, I'm, I'm just giving preaching some, I guess, um, some confessional preaching there's been times since I've been saved and somebody would do that to me and I would try to make them pull over I really did and uh, and I, I I mean this is bad I mean it is uh, because she said what would they do if you would pulled over I'd have probably got myself hurt but I'm just saying it was just something about that but you know what I don't do that anymore I just laugh about it somebody do that to me I go wave at them. That makes them worse. That makes them mad. But let me say this. It's not easy. We're living in a world that's contrary to everything about Christianity. This world, we're not of this world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're just passing through. We're pilgrims. We're headed for another place. But along the way, we're going to run into situations and when we run into those situations, if we're not under the control of the Holy Spirit of God, we're not going to project the Lord Jesus. We're going to project the old man. And so we see there that what, what, we, have, we have living within us the Holy Spirit of God. Anybody listen to Charles Stanley this morning? I did. I like Charles Stanley. I, he don't necessarily use the right Bible. But anyway, I, I like his teaching. I do. I mean, he was preaching on the Holy Spirit. And, and a lot of times people, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, a lot of Baptist preachers don't preach on the Holy Spirit because they want to be, don't want to be identified with the, with the Pentecostals. Listen, the, the Baptist was preaching about the Holy Spirit before the Pentecostals ever came into existence. let me say this, the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. And the Holy Spirit of God is just as much God as God the Father and God the Son. And 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 the Bible said He will teach us all things and bring all things to our remembrance. He lives there. and, And the way we act and the things we say and the places we go and the things we read and look at. And I've said this before, He has to look at them too. Because He lives on the inside of us. And when we do something contrary to the word of God, it grieves him. Why does it grieve him? Because we shouldn't be doing that. Because we have salvation, that inward experience. We have that permanent experience, continually abiding. And when we grieve him, then we quench him. The word quench means to throw water upon the fire. And so now we see here, it says now, what you've heard from the beginning, the Word of God, that's what he's talking about. And we have to understand that, that, that what we've heard from the beginning, we have 66 books. You have 66 books in your Bible. And, 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 and I don't. you say, well, I read through my Bible. I try to read through my Bible once a year. Well, it's all right to go through your Bible, but it's better if your Bible goes through you. And we have to understand here that, that we have everything that God wants us to know is in this book right here. It's, there's no such thing as a new revelation. And uh, back of my Bible says the end. And uh, that's not uh, inspired, but it's the end. And let me say this we have to understand that, that the facts of the gospel, the word of God, lives inside of you. That's why David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Well, I need to hide the Word of God in my heart. Because in this Christian walk with God, there's going to be times that, that we're, going to, we're going to face situations and if we don't have a word to get us through that situation, then we're, we're, going, to, we're going to fall by the wayside. You know, we have to understand that, that, that God is concerned about every facet of my, my life every facet of my life. There's no such thing as a little part of my life as far as God's concerned. He, he's, he's concerned when I'm sad. He, he's concerned when, when I don't know what to do. He's, he's concerned when, when I begin to worry about something. And a Christian, listen, worry is the opposite of faith. And that which is not a faith is sin. And, and so we have to understand listen, the Word of God is, it, it, that lives within us is to control us. He's to control us. In other words, He's a standard for our living, He's the force that, that causes us to live the way that we should as believers. And so we need to understand that because of that, there is some secret, secrets, a uh, secret of the fruitfulness in the life of the believer. Turn, if you would, to uh, John chapter number 15. What is the secret of being fruitful as a believer? Okay, you ready? John chapter 15. John 15. I'm going to give you some secrets here. How to to abide in him. John 15, 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So what is he saying here? He's saying that I'm the vine. I'm where all the nutrients comes. I'm the one that's causing you to grow. The vine is what causes the fruit. It's not the branches. The branches is carrying the fruit, but it's the vine that supplies the nutrients to feed the branches. And so he says here, now listen, I am the vine, it's not you, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me or rest in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. He said, I want you to understand this, for without me, you can do nothing. When I was in Bible school, the professor I had, this is why I left Bible school, He read this verse of scripture and he said, there's some things I can do without Christ. He just denied the word of God. I closed up my Bible, got my things together, walked out, didn't go back. Anytime a person who claims to be a scholar of the Bible and they deny the word of God, they're no longer a scholar. So we see the secret of fruitfulness is to abide in Him and realize without Him, I can do nothing. That's why Paul said, when a man thinks he is something, when he has nothing, he deceives himself. There's a bunch of Christians walking around like a bunch of peacocks thinking that, boy, I, I'm really something. If you, know, if you want to know what real Christianity is, you look at me. Listen, we're not to look at man, we're to look unto Jesus, the author, and the finish for our faith. If you, want, if you want to gauge your Christian walk by anything or anyone, gauge it a bit against Christ. And I will guarantee you, you'll see without him, you can do nothing. Amen. The secret of fruitfulness. Then the secret of prayer. John chapter number 15, you're there. Verse number 7. If you abide in me, and my words, underline the words, and my words, abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it might be done unto you. Huh? No. I was just seeing if you were listening. Abide in me, and my words abide in you, and you shall ask anything, Ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Underline the word Shall. The word shall is the strongest word in the English language for proof positive. It's not I might or may be. When you see that word shall, that means it's going to happen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so he said, now listen, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Well, preacher, I prayed some things and it, it just didn't happen. So God doesn't answer prayer. Oh, yes, he does. He, God answers every prayer that you pray. Yes, no, sometimes wait. You see, what we have to understand that we have to pray in the will of God. You see, because, again, God knows what I have need of before I even ask. Well, if God knows what I have need of before I even ask, why should I ask? Because he wants that fellowship. You realize how much God wants to have fellowship with us. He really does. He he wants us to be, if you want, he is your closest friend. There are some people that you can't uh, confide in certain things. There's just certain people. I remember one time a bunch of, we a bunch of preachers was riding together, and, and uh, for some reason people began to um, talk talk about what their weakness was. And we were friends, and we all knew each other knew, and and so this one guy said, "Well, my weakest, my biggest weakness is the opposite sex, it was women," and uh, this other guy said. And, Uh, Ben Wharton you probably don't know have never heard of him but Ben said you know what my weakness is is gossiping I can't wait to get home and tell you why you see there are just some things that you can't confide in people in i just use that as an illustration but what I'm saying there's some things that's so intimate that's so personal that you can't tell somebody else about but you can tell him because he'll never let it out there are some things, Lord, I, David said one time, I'm weak. You, you, there, listen, there's a macho thing with men. Most men don't want to say they're weak. But David said, I'm weak. King David. There's some folks that don't like to, well, God, I, I don't have the faith that I need. Because we want everybody to believe, man, we're just full of faith. Well, sometimes I doubt my salvation. And God, I, I know that you said I, I have eternal life. And I know you said that I shall be saved. But Lord, why do I doubt my salvation? Well, let me give you a little hint why. Some people have t- said this, and, and you know how I feel about this because I've mentioned it before. I don't think the devil makes you doubt your salvation. Because if he did, if the devil made me doubt my salvation and I thought I was lost, I'd get saved. The devil wants you to think that you're all right. But what makes you doubt your salvation? Sin. The day that I doubted my salvation after I got saved, it was because I said that cuss word. But that cuss word did not change the fact that I have everlasting life. I had to finally get to that place in my life. I'm not saying cussing is right, though, so don't go there. But I'm just saying this. is that Listen, I, I had to get that thing settled in my heart. God either... What you're saying is true or it's false. And, and the book of Titus, and God who cannot lie has promised us everlasting life. So it's settled that with me. It's settled that. Preacher, do you doubt your salvation today? Nope. Nope. Like Brother James said the other night, I know that, I know that, I know. Is that bragging? No, no. I'm not bragging on myself because I know in me dwelleth no good thing because evil is ever present. And let me understand, but I I believe the word of God. And I have the word of God that proves without a shadow of a doubt that I know him as my personal Savior. And another reason I know that I know that I know is because when I do wrong, God takes me to the woodshed. He says, if you be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers in your bastards are illegitimate and you're not sons. When I sin, let me tell you one thing, the Holy Ghost shows up and he, he takes me to the woodshed. And if you've never been to the woodshed with the, with the Holy Spirit of God, you, you, you're in for a big one. Because I'll tell you what, he's got a way of straightening you up and he'll straighten you up quick. So we see the, 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 f- the secret of uh, fruitfulness, the secret of answered prayer. Then the secret of growth. 1 Peter chapter number 2. The secret of growth. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. Verse 1. Wherefore lay aside all malice, and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby how do I grow by the word of God by believing the promises of God by believing you know have you ever been to a place where you didn't know how you was going to pay the bills Hmm? Have you ever been to a place where you wonder, well, I wonder if we're going to be able to buy groceries? I don't worry about that anymore. You know why? Because I was reading in the Word and the Bible said, and God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm His child. He's my heavenly Father. He would be much of a father to let His children down, would He? Let His children go hungry. Let His children not have a place to live. David said, I was once young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. We have to understand, listen, the way we grow is right through the Word of God. And, and, the, and, and I'm not, not talking, I don't know who I'm talking, I don't know if I'm talking to anybody. But listen, how much of this Word do you put in your, in your heart every single day? Because you can't go without it. By the way, not only you can't go, but you can't grow without it. And as you put the word of God in your heart, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong. And, and again, I'm not talking about desecrating the word and marking it up. I'm talking about if there's a verse there, you get your highlighter, and right there, you like, I like, it. and God spoke to me through that. He illuminated that word right there to me. There's nothing wrong with that. But in 1 Peter chapter number 2, he talks about how you have growth. He says, first of all, you've got to lay aside all malice. Then he says you've got to lay all guile and have hypocrisies and envies and evil speaking. You've got to lay that aside. And once you do that, if you desire the milk of the word, he says, you're going to grow. But you have to understand, in, in, the, in the word of God, there's prerequisites. He said in the book of John, you shall ask anything in my name and I'll do it. What's the prerequisite? The next verse. And if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So he's saying here, listen, if, if you want to grow, you're going to have to lay In verse number one, you have to lay these things aside. But if you desire the milk of the word, you're going to grow thereby. What a promise. Then the secret of successful life. Psalms chapter number one. I'm hurrying. So y'all listen quick. The Secret of a Successful Christian Life. Psalms chapter number 1. Verse number 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law do he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. A lot of times when you talk about prosperity, I'm not a prosperity preacher like some of those TV guys. You know, you send me a dollar and God will give you back a hundred. That'd be the case for them to take their dollar. But, uh, but I do know that God will prosper us if we stay in His Word. Prosperity, it doesn't necessarily mean finances. You know, if your children are well. Do you know how much it costs to go to the doctor in, that, in time now or have some kind of surgery? How about a mechanic this day? A mechanic makes almost as much as a doctor. And salesmen, they make about as much as a nurse. <clears throat> I'm talking to you. But anyway, we, 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 uh, we, we, I want you to understand something. Success, success is not talking about material success. It's talking about spiritual success. You want to succeed as a Christian? Meditate in the Word of God day and night. And God says, I'm going to I promise you success. I pick on Danny because I love him. He knows I'm just kidding with him. And then don't notice you with that back in our text verse, verse number twenty seven. Verse number twenty-seven. But the anointing, underline the word anointing. You hear that a lot right on this prosperity preachers. But the anointing which ye have received of him abide in you, and ye shall need not that man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, that is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. The word anoint there, it means to be endowed. In other words, the fullness of the Spirit. The Bible said in Acts chapter number one, in verse number eight, very familiar passage of scripture. And ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witness unto me. Jerusalem is Deus and America to the uttermost part of the earth. That's the power he's talking about. The power. Matthew 28, Jesus said, All power is given unto me. And he said, This power that is given unto me, I'm going to give it to you. Not that you may be more spiritual or you may have a higher standard in the church. He said, no, it's for one thing and one thing only. It's not to speak in a, in a static language. He said, the power is to win others to Christ, and ye shall receive power that the Holy Ghost come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the most part of the earth. The power that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 28, he said, now I want you to go into the world, preach the gospel to every living creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and um, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And all power is given unto me. And he said, I want you to know this power is going to be given unto you. The endowment of the Holy Spirit of God, the power that's there, it's that anointing, it provides the antiseptic power. It's that thing that preserves and will keep us from corrupt things. You see, we have to understand something. The Holy Spirit teaches us, instructs us in truth and and false Have you ever, as a Christian, been maybe watching something on TV? uh, uh, Maybe one of these TV preachers and they say something and and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, "Uh Uh-uh, that that, that isn't right. Who taught you that? The Holy Spirit of God teaches you that. Listen, when somebody's preaching, if you don't feel comfortable, you better find out why you don't feel comfortable. Now, I'm not talking about feeling warm and fuzzy. I'm not talking about that. But when the Holy Spirit says, uh uh-uh, uh uh, that, that's not right there. You know, somebody, some people tell me, well, the Bible says that God helps those who help themselves. What chapter and what verse is that in? There's no such thing. Well, the Bible said in the last days you won't be able to tell the summer for the winter. What chapter and what verse is that? It's not in there. Hmm. Not in there. There's a lot of things that people say that's in the Word of God. It's not in the Word of God. Some preacher gets up and say, well, you can lose your salvation. Hmm? You can backslide and lose your salvation what chapter and what verse. Ask them. It's not there. The fact of the matter, there's not even a hint that it's there. But they believe what somebody has taught them. You have to understand, you better be taught by the Spirit of God. How are you taught by the Spirit of God? You take this, what we're reading here today. It's just not, he, I'm the conduit he's using here. We're reading the Word of God. This is not my belief. This is not a Baptist belief, it's a Bible belief. If I want to have success with God, I'm going to have to be abiding in Him. I'm going to have to be endowed by the Spirit of God. I'm going to have to preach the Word of God. By the way, when that happens, you're not going to be deceived. And last of all, the appearing of our Savior. The word shall appear. Notice if you would, verse 29. If if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of God. Verse 28, and now little children. He's he's going to bring his thing to a head now. And now, little children, after I've taught you all these things before this, abide, I told you to underline that, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You know the problem? The word word here, it talks about shall appear. It carries the idea of suddenness. Well, you say, well, preacher, listen, Jesus has been gone for 2,000 years. I thought it was going to be sudden. John said it's going to be sudden. Uh, uh, Paul said in the, uh, that, that it's going to be sudden. But it's been 2,000 years. Did you ever read that verse, that 1,000 years with, with Christ, God is the same as a day and, and one day is 1,000 years? So according to the word of God, he's only been gone two days. Huh? He shall appear. Only thing certain is not certain is the time. We know he's coming back. We, we just don't know when. That's why the Bible said, be you, so, be you also ready for such an hour as you think not the Son of Man coming. He said there'll be, when he comes back, there will be a little faith. Christians have departed from the truth. There will be a great falling away. Falling away from what? From the truth of the word of God. They've gotten away from the truth. Why are there so many Bible virgins out there now? Why is it? Because if you know anything about Bible virgins, you will see that they begin to take away or add to. Read the the last chapter in the book of the Revelation. It said if you add to or take away, these, these things, these judgments shall be added unto you. Sister Thacker, can I just, would you get upset if I use you? Would you get upset if I use your name in something? Sister Thacker, when she first came to church, she was sitting back there, and I was reading the Bible. And I noticed she kept on going. And uh, she was talking to Rebecca, and Rebecca was showing her her Bible. And, uh, and by the way, I gave her a Bible. and then But her daughter came with her. And she was trying to keep up what I was saying. Sister Thacker said, I told you so. <laughs> See, I can read lips too. But I told you so. Let me say this. There will be a falling away from the Word of God. This book that you hold in your hand has stood the test of time. I've mentioned this before. The first book, not the first things that was written on the Gutenberg Press, the first book that was written on the, on the Gutenberg Press was the Word of God. King James Bible. It stood the test of time. Revivals has came out of it. You say, well, i like another version. Go for it. But I'm just telling you one thing we have to understand. Is, listen, there is, the Bible said, Thy word, I read it this past week, Thy word is forever settled in heaven. There is a word that is settled in heaven. So let me say this. We can have f- freedom let me read this to you. Uh, Romans 3.19. Now we know that whatsoever the law saith, it saith to them that are in the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. That word uh, guilty means put to silence. There's no argument. Well, uh, preacher, why? if God is God, why would, he, why would he take the life of a little baby? Why would God allow this to happen to this Christian here, this Christian boy that I told you a couple months about that was back down in Bible school and he was walking across a train trussle. Here came tr- the train and there was no sidewalk on it. It was just a trussle went across a river. And that boy fell to his death. Here's a young man that loved God and wanted to serve God and his, his whole makeup was that of God. Why did God allow that to happen? Let me tell you one thing. The Bible said that Jesus said, I want you to come to me that you may have life abundantly. He talks about Satan. Satan is a liar and he's a murderer. You see, he said, I want you to have life. Well, then why do he allow that to happen that boy's life? When God allows something, it's for something better. And let me say this. I don't know. God knows. Why he let that young fella go through, I, I don't know. But I know this, that funeral, that boy, it's brought others to Christ. Let me say this, and I mean this. You can write this down. If my death would cause others to come to Christ, because there's some people that I want to see come to Christ, if my death, because I'm going to go home to be with him, you don't have to sorrow as those who have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so then will God bring with him. If my death will bring somebody else to Christ, so be it. Huh? I, I don't know about you, but I want my life to call Christ. Listen, when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter what house you live in, what car you drive, how much money you've got, when it's all said and done, the only thing that we do for Christ is the only thing that's going to last for eternity. Amen? How's that going to happen? By abiding in him. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we do thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that you have spoken to us today through your word. You've spoken to me. And, Lord, I pray now that, God, that you would use these words that help us this week to be better Christians, realizing it's not us. It's not by our power nor by our might, but by your spirit, saith the Lord. It's all about you, because without you we can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I need to realize where my strength is. I need to realize who's in charge of my life. And I pray now, God, that you use these words. And I pray for those that may be watching today by the internet, they've never trusted Christ as their Savior, that today will be the day that they will make that decision that will count for all eternity that they'd be willing to repent of their sin and trust you and believe the gospel. Lord, I pray that they would pray a simple prayer, something like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I know I cannot save myself. But the best way I know how, I ask you right now to be merciful to me, a sinner. Come into my heart and save me. And by your words, you promised if I'd call upon you in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Lord, I pray now that you help them now with their Christian walk. Help them to get into a good fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow. Follow you in baptism and, and surrender their life to you. And I pray now, Lord, you'd meet every need Bless every home that's represented here today. In Jesus' name, amen.